Chapter Eight of the Night Horseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Night Horseman by Max Brand. Chapter Eight. The Gift Horse. Your dog is your own dog," remarked Jerry Strand, still to the back of the card lane stranger. But he ain't your backyard. Keep your eye on him, or I'll fix him so he won't need watching. So saying, he made another step forward, and it brought a snarl from the dog. Not one of those high whining noises, but a deep guttural that sounded like indrawn breath. The gun of Jerry Strand leaped into his hand. Bart, said the gentle-voiced stranger, lie down and don't talk. And he turned in his chair, pulled his hat straight, and looked mildly upon the gunman. An artist would have made much of that picture, for there was in this man, as in Strand, a singular portion of beauty. It was not, however, free from objection, for he had not the open manliness of the larger of the two. Indeed, a feminine grace and softness marked him. His wrists were as round as a girl's, and his hands as slender and as delicately finished. Whether it be the white-hot sun of summer or the hurricane snows of winter, the climate of the mountain desert roughens the skin, and it cuts away spare flesh, hewing out the face in angles. But with this man there were no rough edges, but all was smoothed over and rounded with painful care, as if nature had concentrated in that birth to show what she could do. Such fine workmanship, perhaps, would be appreciated more by women than by men, for men like a certain weight and bulk of bone and muscle, whereas this fellow seemed as light of body as he was of hand. He sat now watching Strand with the utmost gravity. He had very large brown eyes of a puzzling quality. Perhaps that was because there seemed to be no thought behind them, and one eye caught the mystery and the wistfulness of some animals from a glance at him. The effect of that glance on Strand was to make him grin again, and he at once banished the frown from his forehead and put away his gun. The big dog had slunk deeper into the shadow and closer to his master. I'm Strand. Maybe you've heard of me. My name is Barry, said the other. I'm sorry that I haven't heard of you before. And the sound of his voice made Jerry Strand grin again. It was such a low, soft voice, with the velvet of a young girl's tone in it. Moreover, the brown eyes seemed to apologize for the ignorance concerning Strand's name. You got a hoss out front. A nod of agreement. What's your price? None. No price? Look here, argued Strand. Everything's got a price, and I got to have that hoss, understand? Got to. I ain't bargaining. I won't try to beat you down. You just set a figure, and I'll cover it. I guess that's square. He ain't a gentle horse, said Barry. Maybe you wouldn't like him. Oh, that's all right about being gentle, chuckled Strand. Then he checked his mirth, and stared piercingly at the other to make out if there were a secret mockery. It could not, however, be possible. The eyes were as gravely apologetic as ever. He continued, I seen the hell fire in him. That's what stopped me like a bullet. I like him that way. Much rather have him with a fight. Well, let's have your price. 
Hey, O'Brien, trot out your red eye. I'm going to do some business here. O'Brien came hastily with drinks, and while they waited, Strand queried politely, Belong around these parts? No, answered the other softly. No? Where you come from? Over there, said Barry, and waved a graceful hand toward half the points of the compass. Hmm, muttered Strand, and once more he bent a keen gaze upon his companion. The drinks were now placed before them. Here, he concluded, is that black devil outside, and he swallowed the liquor at a gulp. But as he replaced the empty glass on the table, he observed with breathless amazement that the whiskey glass of the stranger was still full. He had drunk his chaser. Now, by God, said Strand in a ringing voice, and struck a heavy hand upon the top of the table. He regained his control, however, instantly. Now, about that price. I don't know what horses are worth, replied Barry. To start, then. Five hundred bucks in cold cash, gold, for you. What's his name? Satan. Eh? Satan. Hmm, murmured Strand again. Five hundred for Satan, then. How about it? If you can ride him, began the stranger. Oh, hell, smiled Strand with a large and careless gesture. I'll ride him all right. Then I would let you take him for nothing, concluded Barry. You'd what? said Strand. Then he rose slowly from his chair and shouted. Instantly the swinging doors broke open and a throng of faces appeared at the gap. Boys, this gent here is going to give me that black, <laughs> if I can ride him. He turned back on Barry. They've heard it, he concluded, and this bargain is going to stick, just this way. If your hoss can throw me, the deal's off, eh? Oh, yes, nodded the brown-eyed man. What's the idea? asked one of Jerry's followers, as the latter stepped through the doors of the saloon onto the street. I don't know, said Jerry. That gent looks kind of simple. But it ain't my fault if he made a rotten bargain. Here, you. And he seized the bridle reins of the black stallion. Speed, lightning speed, was what saved him. For the instant his fingers touched the leather, Satan twisted his head and snapped like an angry dog. The teeth clicked beside Strand's shoulder as he leaped back. He laughed savagely. That'll be took out of him, he announced, and damned quick. Here the voice of Barry was heard saying, I'll help you mount, Mr. Strand. And he edged his way through the little crowd until he stood at the head of the stallion. Look out, warned Strand in real alarm, or you'll take your head off. But Barry was already beside his horse, and with his back toward those vicious teeth, he drew the reins over his head. As for the stallion, it pricked one ear forward and then the other, and muzzled the man's shoulder confidingly. There was a liberal chorus of astonished oaths from the gathering. "'I'll hold his head while you get on,' suggested Barry, turning his mild eyes upon Strand again. "'Well,' muttered the big man, "'may I be eternally damned,' he added. "'All right, hold his head. I'll ride him without pulling leather. Is that square?' Barry nodded absently. His slender fingers were patting the velvet nose of the stallion, and he was talking to it in an affectionate undertone, meaningless words, perhaps, such as a mother uses to soothe a child. When Strand set his foot in the stirrup 
and gathered up the reins, the black horse cringed and shuddered. It was not a pleasant thing to see. It was like a dog crouching under the suspended whip. It was worse than that. It was almost the horror of a man who shivers at the touch of an unclean animal. There was not a sound from the crowd, and every grin was wiped out. Jerry Strand swung into the saddle lightly. There he sat, testing the stirrups. They were too short by inches, but he refused to have them lengthened. He poised his quirt and tugged his hat lower over his eyes. "'Turn him loose!' he shouted. "'Hey!' And his shrill yell went down the street, and the echoes sent it barking back from wall to wall. Barry stepped back from the head of the black, but for an instant the horse did not stir. He was trembling violently, but his blazing eyes were fixed upon the face of his owner. Barry raised his hand. And then it happened. It was like the release of a coiled watch-spring. The black whirled as a top spins, and Strand sagged far to the left. Before he could recover, the stallion was away in a flash, like a racer leaving the barrier and reaching full speed in almost a stride. Not far, hardly the breadth of the street, before he pitched up in a long leap, as if to clear a barrier, landed stiff-legged with a sickening jar, whirled again like a spinning top, and darted straight back. And Jerry Strand pulled leather, with might and main, but the short stirrups were against him, and above all, the suddenness of the start had taken him off guard for all his readiness. When the stallion dropped stiff-legged, Jerry was thrown forward, and an unlucky left foot jarred loose from the stirrup, and when the horse whirled, Strand was flung from the saddle. It was a clean fall. He twisted over in the air as he fell, and landed in deep dust. The black stallion had reached his master, and now he turned in that same cat-like manner, and watched with prickling ears as Strand dragged himself up from the dust. There was no shout of laughter, no cheer for that fall, and without a smile they watched Strand returning. Big O'Brien had seen from his open door, and now he laid a hand on the shoulder of one of the men and whispered at his ear, "'There's going to be trouble, bad trouble. Billy, go for Fatty Matthews. He's a deputy marshal now, and get him here as quick as you can. Run!' The others spared time for a last glance at Strand, and then hurried down the street. Now, a man who can lose and smile is generally considered the most graceful of failures. But the smile of Jerry Strand as he walked slowly back worried his followers. "'Well, all hit dust sometime,' he philosophized. "'But one try don't prove nothing. I ain't near through with that hoss.' Barry turned to Strand. If there had been mockery in his eyes or a smile on his lips as he faced Jerry, there would have been a gunplay on the spot. But, instead, the brown eyes were as dumbly apologetic as ever. "'We didn't talk about two tries,' he observed. "'We'll talk about it now,' said Strand. There was one man in the crowd a little too old to be dangerous, and therefore there was one man who was in a position to speak openly to Strand. It was Big O'Brien. "'Jerry, you named your game and you made your play and lost.' I guess you ain't going to turn up a hard loser. Nobody plays twice for the same pot. The hazel eyes of Strand were gray with anguish of the spirit as he looked from O'Brien to the crowd 
and from the crowd to Satan, and from Satan to his meek-eyed owner. Nowhere was there a defiant eye or a glint of scorn on which he could wreck his wrath. He stood poised in his anger for the space of a breath. Then, in the sharp struggle, his better nature conquered. "'Come on in, all of you,' he called. "'We'll liquor and forget this.'" End of chapter 8